0: So stop being so hard on yourself. Tune in right here weekly for new motivational episodes with special guests to inspire you to change your life for the long run. Thank you once again for joining us on Run With Ally Live. Please don't forget to support the show and our special show guests by clicking on the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose to listen to the show on. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Run With Alley Live podcast. It is February 13th. I don't know how it got to be February 13th. That's just wild. Mary, where does time go?
1: I don't know. This year's already flying by.
0: (laughs) This year's flying by. Yes. Um, Well, before we dive into this week's episode, I'm really excited for this one. Um, To the returning listeners on here, if you have not subscribed to the show already, please do so after this episode and for those new on here, please subscribe to the show after you're done listening to today's uh, episode. So without further ado, we have Mary Denham. Um, she is an amazing runner coach. She's actually my coach, newly my coach, um, works for lift Run Perform. and I am really excited to have her on the podcast today because of her journey as an athlete and just All of you know how I feel about consistency and training. And so, yeah, Mary, welcome.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for joining. Uh, So I would love to hear a little bit about yourself, like who you are in and outside of running. Yeah.
1: Sure. Um, Well, I grew up in Maryland and I have a sister. Um, I have a mother as well. My father passed away two years ago. Um I have a dog named Max, and back in twenty eighteen, I moved west actually to San Diego. Um, I was there for a few years and then my career in marketing took me to Flagstaff and then the Santa Barbara. I now live in Erie, Colorado. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and um, I'm a full-time run coach now. I started run coaching in twenty eighteen as a passion, you know, side, um, job basically. Uh, and it's just grown and evolved over the years. And, you know, the demand was there and the interest for me to pursue that full time. Uh, I started in 2022, uh, the end of, well, no, it was like August, 2022. And I had, I'd been one-on-one run coaching in 2018. And then I started working for lift Run perform in 2020. So four years now
0: wow amazing amazing um yeah so you know i know a little bit about your history but listeners on the show don't so you know i think that you know um apart from coaching i think that what makes you such a great coach is your experience with the sport and your journey like all of the ups and downs ebbs and flows and to the beginner runners on here who don't like taking one rest day well <laughs> Um, I hope, you know, Mary's story kind of inspires you a little bit um, slash a lot. Uh, Mary, I would love to hear, like, let's start with your favorite marathon, actually.
1: Sure. I did just want to say real quick, rest is productive. So Uh, favorite marathon. Hmm. Well, that depends, right? Uh, So my favorite when I'm going for time and I care about, like, a result, a time goal, CIM best race in the country put on for all levels of athletes and I've had two really good days there Um, it's actually where I qualified both times for the Olympic trials so 2019 and 2023 and so then there's of course like you know Boston is like an amazing experience and being a part of that historic day is, you know, aspirational for so many runners. So I do, I did enjoy Boston. Um, and I love a hilly course. So I I did enjoy that. And then I also think back on, you know, my first marathon, which was very special Vermont city marathon back in 2006, 19 year old Mary. So, uh, you know, I've enjoyed everyone I've done for, for different and I've done, well, I've done 15, um, and I've lined up. 18 times. So I've had three DNFs over the years, but, um, you know, each one has been special in its own way. So.
0: Wow. Um, that's a lot of marathoning years. Uh, and that's really <laughs> inspiring. So yeah, rest days are productive and I'm sure you got through all these marathons with a lot of them. <laughs> um, but to anyone on here who's thinking about doing a marathon, you know, um, I hope you take away that, you know, success doesn't come from one race. Uh, it comes from a lot of them and a lot of training and a lot of time. And so Mary, I would love for you to, you know, um, tell us like what got you into marathoning in 2019 and what has your progress looked like leading up to today?
1: Well, my first marathon was 2006. Oh, wow. It was in Just- college. <laughs> yeah. It was okay. the end of my freshman year of college. I went to school. I went to St. Michael's college, which is in Burlington, Vermont. And the Vermont City Marathon is <clears throat> Memorial Day weekend, so I just, like, stayed up there. And it's really, like, a lesson in how, like, not to do your first marathon. I was, like, couch surfing with friends and staying up way too late, you know, in the bars and everything. And then 48 hours before, I was, like, okay, like, time to do this marathon. Um, and this was before GPS watches. Like, Timex, you know, it's, like, map. I use, like, MapQuest. quest. I, I think I maybe did a 16-mile run. I don't know um but i just wanted to like bucket list do it and so i did and my first marathon was a 3:39 and my college i ran cross country <clears throat> in college it was division 2 and there was no track team <clears throat> so my coach was like please don't do that again like you can marathon after college but like you're training for like 5k and 6k like you know, in the woods, which is like so different. So please don't do that until you train properly. And then of course I didn't listen and I signed up for, um, (laughs) the Philadelphia marathon later that fall. And I ended up at the end of that season, my sophomore year, I got pneumonia. So I actually switched to the half and didn't do the full, but, uh, fast forward nine years like a lot of life stuff happened, um, six years in there, I actually didn't run at all. And I came back to running in 2015 and I did Lehigh Valley, which is in Pennsylvania. Um, and I ran a 303 there and that's what started my marathon journey as an adult. Um, and so since then I've been training consistently doing, you know, anywhere from one to two ish per year. Obviously there was a break during COVID from races happening for all of us, but pretty consistently training since then. And yeah, like I said, 15, I finished. So, um, I've had my fair share of marathons (laughs) and I'm about to be 37. Amazing.
0: Um, you know, so you said three Oh three was that So you started at 303 in your adult years um, and you mentioned you made the Olympic trials twice. So I have mm-hmm. to say there must be a lot of training progress that happened within that time frame. Um, you know, uh, I guess what was your goal after that 303 marathon? Was it to break three hours? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I was curious.
1: Well, I mean, I still very much consider myself a 339 to start. Um, I don't want to forget that race at all. Uh just, you know, finishing going the distance was a huge accomplishment. And I I I love and own my 39. It's where I've started. Now I've taken over an hour off my marathon time and I'm very proud of that. And so when I ran the 303, I knew I was gonna PR in a big way. And I didn't even know or care where I was gonna. Run, I just ran like very liberated from splits. And I just was like, I'm going to PR big and I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I wanted to qualify for Boston. And I obviously knew I was going to because the 339 at that time actually was the Boston qualifier. They hadn't moved it forward yet. So the goal was to do Boston in 2016. And so after I finished that race, I remember a running friend of mine had said, you know, it's the end of 2015. Obviously, the Olympic trials is 2016. You potentially could, you know, run sub two forty-five within the next four years. And I was like, well, that 303 felt like a max effort. And that seems aggressive. But you know, I look I watched the Olympic trials and I then that fall had run a 122 half marathon and it was 618 average. And I remember when I finished that, I said, So that's not my marathon pace right now, but like, I can see how that's someone's marathon pace. And like, maybe in the next four years I could turn that into, and then minus one second, (laughs) my, uh, my marathon pace. And so I started working towards that and the next like year and a half were really tough marathoning years for me. I DNF Boston in 2016. I then, did New York in the fall and I ran a three Oh eight. So I went backwards, obviously a tougher course. Uh, and then I finally broke three that following spring in 20, uh, 17. And I almost didn't. And I remember cause I ran like two fifty nine, like 30 something. And I didn't tell him when I was doing it, it was like secret race, because I kept having these like races that weren't going well. And I was like, I'm putting too much pressure on it. And I, like, I just need to break three hours and then I can retire from the sport and, like, never do this again. And even when I was in that race where I was breaking three and then also the wheels were coming off, so, like, I almost didn't break three. I promised myself I never needed to do another marathon. Like, if you break three, we can just retire. And I, like, fell over the finish line. It was coastal Delaware and I won the race. I fell over the finish line and, like, a friend who I now am friendly with, like, actually caught me. It was like, that was a max effort on that day and I wasn't fueling right. I was doing a ton of things wrong, but I remember I had to like sit on the curb after and I was like, we're never doing this again. And then 10 minutes later, I was like, but you can do it better, (laughs) which is so relatable for all of us. Right. Yeah. And so from there I did a race in the fall. It was, um, steam town and I was very fit and ready for it we had this like tropical storm come through it was like 70 degrees they delayed the start it was pouring rain the sun ended up coming out and it just like baked us and it was like record number of dnf's i was one of them i then turned that training cycle around ran a ra- ran a different marathon that fall and i ran 256 and from there i was like i need a little time out like i'm burnt out from um, trying to like improve and like obviously a 259 to a 256 is a great jump, but like, I knew I was ready to be like low 250 or under 250. And I was just like stressing about it and then like not enjoying the training because I was tying way too much of my identity and like, um, you know, validation, I guess you'd say into these results. And so then I didn't do a marathon until, next year like I I waited a whole year and I did CIM 2018 and I ran a 248 and that's where I thought my fitness was and so I was very excited about that and I had run a 117 half in that build so a friend of mine uh who was getting into coaching asked if I'd be interested in having a coach and I didn't have a coach at that time so I I was pretty self-coached like he was supporting me with some workouts and things like that so it was like going to that direction and this is when I was living in San Diego and I was training with Prado Racing Team. Um, so I ran the 117 half and the one and the 248, and then I started officially coaching with Nick Klostava. that's his name. And from there I did grandma's, blew up majorly, ran a 258, which is still a great time, but at this point I'm a 248 woman going for 244. So right. not a great day. Turned it around, ran Twin Cities. 2.45, 13, <laughs> missed trials by 13 seconds in October. I was stoked on the PR, did drop an F-bomb at the finish line, but, also, but said, also said, if I can turn this around and do CIM, I will. Obviously very close back-to-back. And I just took it one day at a time. Uh, we were able to do it. I ran 2.42, qualified for trials, 2020. Um had a great day there. This was my first Olympic trials experience. I came in 189th. I placed 51st. I ran 241, which was a PR and that course had 1400 feet of gain. So that was like a very strong showing, uh, based on the the terrain. And it was a very windy day, pandemic hits, no races. Um, and then my next race back was Boston 2022. Um, I had the privilege of racing in the pro field. Uh, I ran a It was either an eight or nine second PR. I've never been more happy. This is Boston. Just like such a hard course. Uh, And then I got, I had an injury um, that fall and I moved and I had a lot of life transitions going on, including leaving a career, another out of state move. Um, Had to rebuild myself after a labrum tear, uh, had moved to Colorado. So like, honestly, January last year, I was very not fit. (laughs) and i wanted to qualify for the new trials which is an 8 minute drop from the last standard and at this point i'm working with Neely Gracie <clears throat> she lives here at the same altitude and elevation as me which is what i needed to be able to achieve this goal <coughs> excuse me and so i really had to rebuild from zero i mean i remember my first threshold workouts she gave me was 620 pace and Obviously, my marathon PR was like I don't know six or eight or something like previously. So like my fitness needle had been very much like set back, and then just had to chip away and keep knocking down the paces that she gave me. I did Grandma's. I was I was honestly within six months I was ready to do it at Grandma's. I got one of those seventy degree days, and I just I it's not my. It's not my uh, climate. Like when it's humid and it's like above 60s, like I just struggle. So I ended up getting sick. I finished like the last, I got sick at mile 20 and I was able to like get through the last 10K, which is very slow. And I ran a 243, which again, great time. But my PR at this point is a 240. The goal is 236. I was like, it's okay. I'm gonna try again. So Spent the summer doing a lot of trail and mountain running. It made me very strong, very aerobically fit. I was going to do Berlin. Travel to Germany. I'm without question at this point in like arguably the best shape of my life. My, the time I had lived in Flagstaff, I used to say it was like my best fitness. So my Berlin training was like rivaling that, which was awesome. I got COVID. For three and a half weeks, I dealt with this. I ended up not lining up at all. Berlin, because I knew I was messed up, and I was like, I cannot even do a long run, let alone like an easy twenty-six point two miles to like get my medal and like never come back to Berlin. <laughs> I was like, I need to just like not do it. So then, when I got back, I was still dealing with COVID. I finally tested negative, like I think it's like October fifth or 6th and my train cycle from then until CIM was just trusting the power of rest, cumulative fitness from years I mean like I've run so many sub six miles for like marathon pace I had to just like trust that like it's in there and so extra rest days lower volume a lot of quality especially the last three weeks it was like every other day I was doing a workout and then I had a lot of like recovery needs I was able to execute it at CIM I think I was one of the last like three or four women to qualify for trials. And that race was crazy the way it played out with this massive pack. And it was just like carnage the whole way. And I finished with, I think three other women like right together and we were the last OTQs. Um, So I was very pleased to run the 236 and, and truthfully rewind to 2016 when I was a 303 marathoner and I was watching trials. I literally said to myself, if you can run 244 by 2020, I really think you can run sub 237 by 2024. And I was right. And I had that long-term vision and like, I just had to like commit to this for years and know that like, it's going to be a bumpy road. It's going to take a ton of work, a ton of patience, highs, lows along the way, the good races, the bad races, the slogs, you know, um, but I really enjoyed the entire process of training. Like I really love training and taking that, you know, that pressure off the goal of like, you know, it needs to happen on this timeline or else, or like, you know, if it doesn't happen, then I'm done. Like you gotta be resilient. You gotta just keep picking yourself up and, you know, keep literally putting one foot in front of the other and just love that process of training because we feel like we put in all this work and we're owed something on race day and like marathon owes us nothing. It's such a wild sport. It's so unpredictable. Um, but your day does come. Like if you stay resilient, you stay committed, you can achieve that pie in the sky goal for yourself. I truly just think so many people just like, you know, it's like, you can only like get knocked down so many times before, like a lot of people just like stop. Right. And they think they've hit that ceiling because there's definitely been times where I'm like, was this my last PR?" You know, like, you know like we all have that thought right and it's like dismiss it like let's just keep trying let's keep moving that fitness needle forward and just be curious about like where we can end up so now like i said i've gone from 339 to 236 and i love that and i'm very proud of it
0: wow that's so inspiring and i thank you for sharing all that just um obviously there was a lot of imperfect in there but you just stayed resilient and to the listeners on here i just hope that shows you that Every race, every training run is not supposed to be perfect. You're a human being. You're not a robot. And that's a part of the process, as Mary said it, you know, and you got to where you got to. Um, So before you got there, like to that 236 goal, I have to ask, like, what kept you going? How did you dig deep in those times when you just like were like, wait, why am I killing myself doing this? Like, what are some things that like you just like what? kept your spirits high or just how, how'd you keep going? I
1: know that's like a tough I question. I think I just love, I think I just love training. Mm-hmm. Like really. And I've said this to many people that like COVID as far as like races being gone, like I never lost motivation. I I still loved training. I love doing workouts. I love doing long runs. Uh, I didn't need a race at that point in my life. You know, earlier on I felt like I needed a race to like, you know, maybe prove my fitness or validate what I was doing every day, getting out of bed, especially like, you know, I went to law school. I was a lawyer for 10 years. So like I was running it at like 4am every day. Like, why am I doing this? Right. (laughs) What is this for? Uh, So, but that's also when I wasn't racing well. And I just like, you know, it was like, I put in all this work, I better get my result. And that leads so many people to not get their result. Right. Because it's like, you're so results focused. putting so much stress and stress and pressure on this goal you're putting the race on the pedestal and it it's the reverse like for me like results or not now as an athlete really doesn't matter like you know obviously i have these goals that i set and i'm chasing but like i enjoy training so much that like the race is honestly like extra so i always feel like it's like this cherry on top like some people will say it's like the celebration of all your hard work and I truly believe that knowing that and that's what I try to help athletes with as well it's like we put in all this work we want to love the process and ultimately we just surrender to the day and it's going to be whatever it's going to be like you can't stress your way to a faster time but you can stress your way to a slower time so um I would say just really loving my training and being very curious to see what my potential is and that curiosity has helped me like come back time and time again because like you run a PR and you know, a lot of people say, Oh, go out on the top. And it's like, but you never know how much further you can go until you try. And we're seeing, you know, women running lifetime personal best into their forties, like mid to late forties even. So, you know, here I am, I'm almost 37 and I'm like, I keep running lifetime personal best. And like, I'm going to keep going. I want to see what's possible. And I'm very, I love my PRs. I'm very proud of them. But I felt that way about every single one I did. Like, I, I didn't ever have, like, this chip on my shoulder or, like, you know, feel defensive about it. Like, even where I am right now, my 236, like, I love it. I'm proud of it. And I've seen with my training the path to more. And that's very exciting. And that keeps me curious. Like, I'm going to want to come back. And, you know, every time barrier I set. So whether my next time barrier is, like, you know, a 234 or a 232 or a 230, like it's probably gonna give me some issues. Each time I set a time barrier, it takes me like multiple attempts to break it. Like three is my number, apparently. When I look back, that's the trend. Um, you know, some people are able to do it right away. I've always had to just chip away. Uh and so the days that don't go as well honestly just fuel me a little more. So it's like, oh, that hurt. I need to like get back out there and like, you know, get after it again. And so I think it's good for all of us to have those harder days. It makes us really appreciate the ones that go really well. And like those marathons, I feel like flow state, like I've only, I think had two of them, but like when each mile's ticking off and you're just like in control and you feel so good, like those are the days that we like strive to have, but they're pretty magical and rare to have. Like there's the grind ones, there's the ones that don't go as well. So it's like I think it's the Lexi has said, like, you know, there's like thirds, right? The great, the mediocre, the the bad, like, but that's marathoning and that's training too. So I think just you got to stay resilient. You got to stay curious. And like, honestly, just like never give up no matter what's going on. If you're in a slump, like figure it out. Also know that it just happens and you're going to pull yourself out. If you do the work, keep showing up stay positive and optimistic. Don't allow yourself to be negative. Uh, You know, that that can be changed. Like your mindset as an athlete, like approaching races, like nervous, what could go wrong? What ifs like, you got to work through that. And this is like coaching too, right? It's not just here's your plan. It's like, let's work on the mindset side too, because you can execute all your stuff during everything I give you during training. If your mindset isn't right, with a race distance like the marathon, like you're not setting yourself up for success with that side of it too. So many answers to your question, um, and I think that pretty much covered everything.
0: Yeah, oh, that was that was incredible, and um, I love that you brought up mental training. I'm very big on that. Um, you know, I was working with someone who didn't believe in mental training. And just thought you lined up and like you just like did what your body could do, right? But like to your point, like you have to like be all there and like have the right attitude. I think that's what like helps any athlete thrive. So um, from like a coaching standpoint, you've just had such great experience and such great advice that you've just shared. Um, do you feel that all of this, all of your experience as an athlete has really translated over to your coaching abilities? And um, this is a twofold question. And also what is... Like one of your favorite things to see um in any athlete that you coach. It could be like some sort of progress or it could just be an attitude change.
1: Totally. Uh I do think, you know, my experience comes to my coaching. I've gone through so much of it. Like, you know, starting where I did, right, a 339. Like there's so many people out there who would say, like, Dismiss that as being someone who would never be able to run a 236 and qualify and race the Olympic trials, right? Like, they would just be like, you know, that like, you know, her range is, you know, maybe she can run like lower t- three hours, something someday. But like, if there's one thing I've learned about this sport, it's like, don't let anyone put a ceiling on you, including yourself. But if anyone's trying to put you in a box and tell you like where your potential is, like, if they're not helping you believe like really big, they need to be like removed from your life. And you don't want to get someone ahead of themselves, right? Like you don't, you, you want to enjoy each step in the process, celebrate each win, take small bites of the apple, not try to eat the whole thing. Cause that can obviously be counterproductive cause it's like you see too far ahead and you're striving too far ahead. But, you know, if anyone is like, Telling you like where your like ceiling is like they need to go because we've seen so like I'm just one example of many. You can see people who start with a four or five hour marathon and they're running like sub three, well into the twos. Um, I mean, I I know people I know men who have started my time or slower and now they're like otq caliber or have raced the trials. Like that's even more time taken off. So um, you know as far as my experience is concerned, I've had, I've started at a 3:39. Um, I've had the races where you blow up fight to finish GI issues. You're so nervous. Like this was like years ago. This was like 2017, 2016, 2017. I was so nervous about performance that I was super anxious, like going into the race. I wasn't sleeping. I was super stressed by the time I got to the start line. I was like dead energy because i just wasted it all like being super nervous about this race and then it's like of course you don't perform because you have no energy like you're dead and um dnf uh you know races that go really well too obviously along the way um but i feel like in bad weather like you name it right it's like you put in all this work and then you get like a bad weather day it's like are you kidding me um So, I mean, I feel like I've experienced everything the marathon has to offer at this point. Um, And so I'm able to help others and have that compassion and that empathy and help them get over a bad race, get, you know, work on their mindset, because that is super important as part of this. Uh, So in all the marathons I've done, I like to think that my suffering early on where I was like going backwards, DNFing, GI issues, all of that. Has like, I went through it for a reason to be able to help others go through it and like become better marathoners. And I can give advice because I've gone through it personally, right? If someone has only had like success, how are they going to have compassion and empathy and help others who are going through tough times? So that answers the first question. And then the second question what was it? <laughs> what is it? You- what is
0: your favorite thing to see um as a coach from like one of your athletes? Like that could be anything.
1: When they tell me they need a day off, like I schedule a day off, but if they're like I feel this thing I'm going to take a day. I'm very proud of that because I want to help make you a more intuitive runner where you listen to your body and you respect you need rest and or you, you feel a niggle and you're like I'm going to just like get in front of this, I'm not going to run through it. When I first start working with people often, you know, they're asking me, should I run? And my advice is listen to it when it's like, you know, this tiny little, like, you know, just whisper in the wind basically. Right. And it's like learning to differentiate. Of course, if I get someone who has like a major injury history, who's used to pushing through pain, like injury pain, kind of helping them reset that pain meter of like, this isn't the type of pain we fight through in training. This is where you like need to rest. Like you need to have all your mental faculties to fight through the discomfort and pain of the race, not the injury. So as I help runners become more intuitive and listen to themselves, and that also includes like fatigue, right? So like none of us here are pro runners. Like it. (laughs) <laughs> we work full-time jobs too. And this, you know, especially if I have someone who's like, you know, a nurse or a doctor or a lawyer, like they're on their feet all the time. If you're super stressed with a, with a career like that. And I know because I was a trial attorney, I know how demanding it is physically, emotionally, mentally on your system. If you need a rest day or you're not sleeping, cause you're stressed about like, for example, when I was a lawyer, this case that's going to go to a jury trial, like, if I'm not sleeping, I'm putting myself in a hole like I'm not gonna have good training, I might get injured, I might get sick, so it's like when the athlete says to me, "I need this day and I'm like, "Great, take it, I'll adjust your schedule That to me is a very proud moment as a coach because I've empowered you to know how to take care of yourself.
0: That's awesome. I love that um just yeah uh, i I love that for so many reasons because well um me too like coaching people too but also i used to be really bad at doing that and actually this is so funny um you know like i remember like when i first started working with you i was like i need a rest day but not because i felt like i was getting injured just because um to the listeners on here i've dealt with low iron on and off for the past several years um real fun but just stuff we go through, uh, working and <laughs> yeah, you know, working on it. And it's just like, all of us are human beings. We're not perfect, but that's why I think that everyone could benefit from a coach. And I'm really big on every coach needs a coach. Cause, um, it's really nice to have someone see your blind spots and just help you help guide you. It's, I hate coaching myself. I mean, dislike, very, very strongly dislike. I don't want to use the word hate, but, uh, Mary, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing all that. And really quick. Um, I know we're almost at time, but fueling. Um, I can't believe I saved this for last because I know you're so huge on it.
1: You mentioned all these. Yeah, yeah. Quick pop onto my Instagram. You'll see all about 100 grams of carbs per hour, but go ahead. <laughs>
0: Love it. Um, So fueling, I guess really just short and sweet. What are your top three fueling tips for anyone training? And also I just want to make a caveat. Like when someone comes to you and they're training for a marathon, I'm sure this has happened. And they're like, I feel fat or I feel overweight and I don't want to fuel or something of that sort. What is your response?
1: Okay. So with fueling for, you know, a marathon, a road marathon, for example, because obviously there's different types of fueling for different races. um, But specifically talking about like the road marathon, I had done research years ago into like ultra fueling and the principles are, they apply. Uh, You can train yourself in a road marathon to take in, 100 plus grams of carbs per hour. I did 114 at CIM. I did 100 grams of carbs per hour at Houston half, which is like, it's hard when you're running like that threshold line almost to like take that in. But my most important piece of advice is to practice during training. Like part of big reason why when I was in like 2016, 2017, having GI issues is because I didn't figure out what worked for me in training. Like some gels and flavors, like, you know, different brands. Like if you don't figure that out in training, if you have GI issues in training, guess what? It's going to happen on race day. Mm -hmm. If you don't figure that out during training, what your fuel source is and practice, you're not going to put it all together on race day. So I'll get people who say, oh, I'll just like take more on race day. And like figure it out. I'm like, no, you won't. Like you will not because you're racing sustained. You're not getting recovery out there. So you have to practice in training Mm -hmm. and the stomach is a muscle it can be trained like literally anything else and just start small start slow feeding yourself try different brands different products figure out what works for you document it in your training log so that you can go back and like see what you've done so that you can execute it on race day and this is like another thing that helps with like pre-race anxiety right it's like one less thing that's out of your control for the race you have this nutrition plan that is tried and true you know it's going to work for you Obviously, weather can impact your ability to take things in and metabolize them. But like we can't stress over that because it's a factor outside of our control. Um, And then to the weight conversation, I do get some pushback from some athletes saying, I want to be intentional about like my daily calories, things like that. Or like, I don't want to take in like maltodextrin. And I say, listen, do you think I'm like walking around like snacking on these gels like in my daily life? No, like I don't. No, like they serve a purpose. They're quick to digest and metabolize for your body in an exercise state. You are, the furnace is burning red hot out there to perform your best, to recover, to help reduce injuries, to make progress in your training. Fueling during these workouts and long runs is how you're going to get the most out of yourself because your furnace is burning red hot. You're not going to like gain weight from taking these gels. They're going to just disappear, like fuel you. And like what people don't realize, and it's like a revelation for them when I get someone who's under fueling, especially for the marathon, is they don't understand how good they're supposed to feel out there. They're like, wait, this wasn't a death march. And I'm like, yes, you get it. Like you shouldn't be like dying out there. You should be finished feeling like you can keep going and you feel strong. Like, and you're not like stuffed, but you're not like hungry, hangry. Like you should feel like, you're topped off and like, you can keep going. And so I make sure to say nutrition for life and nutrition for this, like taking in this like sugary mixture, totally different things.
0: I love that. Wow. Um, yes. So listen to that everyone fuel during your training. And just when you have a performance goal, you kind of got to drop the whole weight loss thing. It serves a purpose. Every gel. I love that, Mary. Thank you. Um, And last but not least, besides the fact that I asked you to be on my podcast, why'd you say yes to being on the Run With Allie Live podcast today?
1: You know, I started, for example, my Instagram um, to share my running journey and help others. And I, the coach in me, right, just wants to help as many people as possible. I've said for years now, you know, I'm a coach first, individual athlete second. And so You know, if I can help one person, for example, fuel better or help someone find their way to their right fit in a coach, um, because there's wonderful coaches out there. There's so many people. It's all about vibe, connection, um, you know, who you feel safe and supported by, who obviously has experience in in the discipline you're looking for. Um, But I encourage everyone to get a coach. Like you said, Um, coaches need coaches too. I have a coach. Uh, When I've gone like even four days between hiring a different coach, like I literally am like, I don't know what to do. Like I need someone to tell me what to do, uh, so you know if anyone who listens to this like finds any part of it helpful, um, then you know that's the benefit to me is like helping others. So thank you for having me on here. I've enjoyed our conversation. Yes, me too, um,
0: and I can't wait to share it with the world. And you know, to everyone on here, um, I hope you enjoyed this as much as we both did. Um, Mary's information and lift on perform is going to be in the show notes, so you could reach out to her. But please be you know, mindful and cognizant of her time. Uh yeah, and otherwise, Mary, thank you so much again. And everyone, um, thank you for joining. I will see you at the same time, same place next week. Bye. Don't forget to become a member on my website to get updates on my weekly new special episodes on the show, sharing fun running feats, training methodologies, and all things running related to help you keep your running fun. Reference the link in the show notes to become a member of the Run With Alley community so you can connect with other like-minded individuals who love running just as much as you do. Again, do not forget to subscribe to the show by clicking the follow plus button, Apple Podcasts, or subscribing on whichever platform you're listening to the show on. Please leave a review under the episode in whichever directory you're listening to the show in so I can better provide you with the top-notch content I strive to deliver you week in and week out. Thank you again for listening to Run With Allie Live. If you are looking for the perfect solution to finish your first marathon injury-free, even if you've tried to get in shape in the past and failed, sign up and get access to your free 24-week program now by clicking in the link in the show notes under this episode. Sign up now. All you need to submit is your email, and I'll see you on the
1: inside. Thank you so much for listening to Run With Allie Live. See you next time.